Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. I'm Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right, Adam. Uh, I'm thinking these days about the old Sergio Rodriguez game film for when he was starting to come out into the NBA. Do you remember those old game films of Sergio? No, what are you talking we'll, we'll about? Why, why? why are you thinking about him? We'll go into why. Oh, great. Well, if you still want to listen, Mike Minkoff is also on this podcast. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm just, you know, keeping keeping my eyes, looking over my shoulders, making sure Brad doesn't have like a isn't gonna send one of us away for a sudden trade. You know, that he seems to have a move every week. So who knows? Who knows who and what's next? I've extended all of us, so no need to worry about that. Mike, you will help me make sure that we're not talking about Sergio Rodriguez on this podcast, so that we can respond to the Juancho Hernan Gomez trade and then talk about tiering the Eastern Conference for this next season. Josh, let's get to this trade. Chris Dunn, Carson Edwards, a swap of two second rounders for Juancho Hernan Hernan Gomez. The Celtics uh, get an extra roster spot. So we hear they like Jabari Parker and um, he's on an unguaranteed contract so they can keep him um, or but they're now now at 15 players. How do you feel about this deal? I I like the deal. Uh, You know, I think that all of us for the last few weeks on this podcast have been talking about, you know, the last final trade that uh, could happen or move that could happen this offseason for Brad Stevens was to do like a two for one or a three for one deal where we get rid of Carson Edwards and um, turn that into one player. And, and that's what Brad Stevens did with this one. You know, we definitely have a hole at the four spot. And I don't think Juancho Hernan Gomez fits that hole perfectly. Um, but we'll see if he can kind of duke it out with Grant Williams for the majority of those backup four man minutes. You know, he's another guy who's. And Jabari? Uh, Grant Williams. I'm not. I'm not interested in Jabari. Yeah, Parker. and Jabari Parker too, or no? No. Can we? No. Can is this? Is that the most depressing position battle in the NBA? <laughs> that that threesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> not to not to yeah. disparage Thankfully. our newest player, but I mean, Wancho Hernan Gomez comes in and is like probably our best four off the bat. It's just a sad. Anyway, sorry, Josh. I'm I'm inter- off the bench. Yes, but it but still. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's a player that I've been watching for a long time. Um, back when I was scouting Ricky Rubio in the under 18 uh, Euro Cup uh, championships, there's, there's, you know, this, this kind of like buzz around that Spanish team as like the other, the best other country at basketball in the world besides the United States. Um, and they had been building things with Pau Gasol, obviously, and Marc Gasol. And then there was this young group. You know, with Sergio Rodriguez when he came out with all that flashy ball handling, and Rudy Fernandez, um, and Juancho and Willie Hernan Gomez were part of that whole group. That it looked like we're going to be able to gel together with Ricky Rubio and then and the old hats like Pau Gasol um, to really give the U.S. a challenge and see like how good can this other country become? Because this was kind of obviously their generation to do the best that they could do over the last 50 years or so in basketball. Um, so he's been a peripheral piece and a complementary piece fitting that, that role perfectly for the national team for Spain. Um, and in a lot of his stops in, in the NBA and uh, you know, he's, he's a role player. He shoots 35% from three. So he can knock that down defensively. You know, he, he struggles a little bit to guard big men and wings uh so you know that's kind of the big issue for him positionally he's good defensively but um he's liable to get blown by by more athletic 
drivers. Um, and overall, it's just a good, I think it's just a good solid move for the end of the bench. Uh, the best part, I think, about the Juancho Hernan Gomez trade is that he's going to be our second movie star that we've had on the team in the last couple of years, uh, three years or so, since Kyrie Irving, because he's starring as the international player that Adam Sandler's character in his new movie, Hustle. Uh, Adam Sandler plays a, a struggling NBA agent who's trying to get an international player to revitalize his career. And Juancho has been picked for that role. It's in post-production, the movie. So um, even before the trade, he's kind of, I guess, three steps away from Celtics pride or from Kevin Bacon in that Adam Sandler's from New Hampshire and obviously a Celtics fan. And, and Juancho was already going to have that connection. And I think had uh, Celtics fans um, ready to you know take a liking to him if that movie had come out last year or before the trade. And now even more so with the fact that he's a Celtic. Mike, what do you think? Um, you know, I, I agree with, with pretty much everything you said though. Uh, I, I can't say I was gonna, gonna bring, bring the hustle take there. So <laughs> hat tip to you on that Got part. You. Um, but, uh, but I don't, I literally don't know that anyone's disparaged Carson Edwards as a, as an NBA player more than me. So getting off his guaranteed contract, which we talked about at the end of last show, which went not just this season, but next season, um, and moving Dunn, who, uh, whose role was questionable when we first acquired him and then was obviously not going to be there once Schroeder uh, got acquired, to get a player that's going to legitimately com- you know, compete for, for minutes at a position of, of weakness um, is just a straight solid move he makes seven ish million dollars um like a little over six of which is guaranteed this season you know i think i agree with everything you said about kind of his performance on the floor his, you know he's not like an amazing basketball player he's he's totally solid and acceptable i'd much rather him get playing time than jabari parker um and i hope for the sake of grant williams career that grant williams is capable of of beating him out but i'm not sure that he is um, as far as playing for minutes. So I think it's it's a, the type of player we needed, uh, you know, a, a better four, like, you know, we talked about Kyle Anderson and stuff would have been amazing. But uh, I imagine as we speculated, Memphis is in no rush to get rid of Kyle Anderson. So getting someone like Wancho is, is a nice fallback. Um, but I think my favorite part of the trade is the second year of Wancho's deal, which is a, a little over $7 million and fully non-guaranteed which means that it is a very movable contract and very, very usable in aggregating salaries, uh, trying to yeah. match for, for certain players. And I think this is much like I, I was saying last week about my my take on the, the totality of, of this uh, offseason for the front office. Another move that both made us better in the immediate term like very marginally, like not non-spectacularly and, and also positioned us in a, in a way with greater flexibility and ability to acquire uh, more talent um, over the long, the kind of quote unquote longer term. So can only have good feelings about this trade uh, given that we literally gave up nothing of value and got something useful. How do you feel, Adam? Uh, my favorite part about this trade is that we traded away Carson Edwards because I was just like one B behind you in uh, not liking him. Um, as a player, 
Uh, but it makes me feel it's like brings up old emotions, old pains for me because, and, and hopefully we'll relieve them because we are, uh, Carson Edwards is moving on. Um, and can I, uh, let me just give a little history lesson of the last two years to explain what I'm talking about. You know how like, Oh boy, you Gosh, go are you ready for this? I didn't know we had history hour. <laughs> ready? You know how you go through some difficult experiences and then like you're past them, but something triggers them and they just kind of come back up again. So two summers ago, June, 2019, the South drafted Matisse Teibel with the 20th pick uh, because they knew Philly coveted him. I loved him. I thought he would have been a great fit on the team. The Celtics immediately traded him, flipped him for uh, Ty Jerome, who was uh, the 24th pick, and Carson Edwards, the 33rd pick. Good value pick-wise, if you're not evaluating the players at all, uh, moving down four spots to get a high second-round pick, that's solid. But then they immediately decided that they didn't need Aaron Baines anymore and wanted to get off of his contract. And for some reason, uh, nobody else wanted him. So he was a negative value. So they traded Ty Jerome with Aaron Baines to get a future first round pick, which was the number 30 pick in 2020. Um, and while he was, is not much of a contributor anymore, Aaron Baines played great for Phoenix early in that year. And the stru- Celtics struggled with their big man rotation the entire year, leading to our repeated podcast segment, a hole in the middle because the Celtics didn't have enough depth in the middle. They didn't have a starter and Baines would have been great in that role. Well, that 30th pick turned out to be a pretty good player in Desmond Bain. The Celtics drafted him, but then flipped him immediately with Ennis Cantor, who's now back with the team. But at the time they decided they didn't want him for whatever reason and uh, people didn't want him. So they traded uh, Ennis Cantor and Desmond Bain for two second round picks in 2023 and 2025. So uh, with the amount of the second round picks the Celtics gave up for TPEs, I I have not actually looked back to see if those picks are still in circulation, if we still have them. But I'm guessing maybe we have one of them because we gave up two second rounders for uh, Gordon Hayward TPE. And we're just throwing out second rounders to get TPEs here. So most recently, we decided that Tristan Thompson was no good and we needed to get rid of off of his salary. So we traded him for Chris Dunn and Bruno Fernando and a second and a TPE. So just to recap, because of a bunch of a series of bad decisions, we traded away things that would I would have liked. Matisse Teibel, Aaron Baines, uh, the opportunity Desmond for Desmond Bain. Bain on the team, Cantor, who's now back with the team, for things that I don't like, that I don't think have much value. One to two TPEs, uh, maybe the Thompson one has value. Bruno Fernando, who was the 34th pick right after Carson Edwards in the same draft as also Matisse Teibel. And if we had just not drafted Carson Edwards, <laughs> kept Matisse Teibel, kept Baines, signed Cantor this year only, not drafted Carson Edwards, and not have Wancho, I would have preferred that. So uh, how do I feel about this trade? It reminds me of Danny Ainge's poor moves in his last two years. Given all, all of those maneuvers, I'd rather have Wancho and a roster spot for Jabari or whoever than Carson and Dunn. But are you saying that dealing Carson Edwards is giving you flashbacks? Like yeah, you're getting you're getting Matisse Thibel flashbacks. Yeah, man, Danny Ainge did not do so hot in his last two years. How Bill Walton of you, Adam? <laughs> I am incredulous. That was kind of like uh, we went on a trip. So Bill Walton's an apt, uh, <laughs> an apt <laughs> metaphor. And you can't see, but Adam is wearing his tie dye shirt. Celtics yeah, shirt I'm today. wearing my uh, Lithuania. Uh, 1992 Olympic shirt. I believe we had to get rid of Aaron Baines to get Kemba, if I'm recalling correctly. I, I, I thought it was related to Al resigning. 
May, maybe because Kemba was traded for Rozier. Yeah, but that was, so that was. I think original, it was in order in order to keep out. We we yeah. had to sign. We signed Kemba. We had to create cap space to sign Kemba outright first, and then it became a sign and trade yep. once Rozier went to Charlotte. Okay. And then, but so once it became a sign and trade, we wouldn't have had to have gotten rid of Baines. I'm right. pretty sure, but we didn't know that. Like, yeah, we didn't know that at the we, time. We didn't know that at the time. It turned so. out that was the wrong decision in hindsight. So yeah. it's just we we kept giving up value to recover from prior mistakes that added up over time, uh, and and the added the adding up over time is is Matisse Tybel and and these other. Uh, guys, so I'm hoping that this Carson Edwards, now that he's gone, we can just kind of stop making mistakes for all of these, uh, stop giving out value for the, those previous mistakes. And uh, so far, I like what Brad Stevens is doing. I thought I thought you were going to bring up a uh, a different irony in that trade, which is when we got Tybal and traded away from him, it was to get Grant Williams with Carson Edwards, and now it's come full circle, and we're getting rid of Carson Edwards to get a guy who's competing directly with Grant Williams for minutes. Well, we yeah, still well, don't have Matisse Tybel. <laughs> Grant Williams. I mean, that. Well, that's more of like uh, there were. Uh, Josh, who was the other guy that uh, Memphis actually has? No, yeah, is it Memphis? The other power forward that was drafted, Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, that's how I feel. So, I mean, we'll see what Wancho can do here. I I agree with Josh. That's um, quite the trio uh, <laughs> of backup power forwards, but. Sometimes you get a little crapshoot and uh, you come up lucky. So we only need one to do well enough. And I think there may be a matchup thing. We'll see what happens. As you said, Mike, I like that it's a a helpful salary for trading. And the guy shoots threes with volume. And as they say, you don't need to make them necessarily. You just need to shoot them to get people to come out and guard you. So that helps spacing. And Wancho had a stretch where he shot like 40-something percent. Uh, He got really hot. And that's, I think, why he got this contract. We shall see. Let's move on to tiering the East. Mike, uh, we wanted to talk about this Eastern Conference with the moves that were made this offseason. Where do we see the Celtics fitting in? Which teams are championship contenders, playoff locks, et cetera? Can you kick this off for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that was a nice appetizer. We talked about the the Wancho trade. Now now we're now we're to the main the the main dish here. We're we're gonna use four tiers. Bells of the ball. Those are your our championship contenders. Life of the party. Our playoff locks, the just happy to be invited crowd. They're going to be the play the play in tier, people in the play in conversation. And then, last and very much least, the ugly step siblings who are out of the playoff conversation. Uh, so we, you know, we we went through. We each did our own tiering of the Eastern Conference teams. Uh, we have no idea what the rankings or tiering is of the other of the other teams. Now, we are not. The, the rules did not require us to kind of say the actual seeding of the teams involved. But I'm going to say at the end, we will reveal our our seed prediction for the Celtics specifically once we've completed Great. the full tiering discussion. So uh, to get things started, they're the least important, like I said. So uh, let's make this short and sweet and just talk about the ugly step siblings first. Josh, do you want to do you want to go first? I bet we have pretty much the same for all of us for the ugly stuff that things. <laughs> yeah, in the east there's 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 only one ugly ducking that duckling that's like the ugliest of them all. Oh, interesting. Um, okay, maybe not then. <laughs> and that is the Orlando Magic who will compete for uh, the worst team in the entire league with the Oklahoma City Thunder and Houston Rockets. Um, my entire note section of of this one is just questions. 
just too many questions with this team. Will Will Jonathan Isaac return to form? Uh, you know, will Jalen be a culture center for the team? Will Franz and Mo Wagner and that whole experiment of bringing those brothers together be a mistake? Since I believe there's better players that pick number eight than Franz Wagner, namely Davion Mitchell and Moses Moody. Um, you know, there's question marks about Cole Anthony. Should you know, or should Orlando fans be uh, excited about this group of players? Mark Mark Fultz, Gary Harris, Wendell Carter Jr., Robin Lopez. You guys excited about any of those names? How, how could you? How could you not be? <laughs> R.J. Uh, last question: Will Mo Bamba? Never mind. Uh, this team just sucks. Period. Like, there's not a whole lot to love. Uh, I believe they still have Michael Carter Williams on their roster, and I think that's kind of like all you need to know about this team. And I just I, I love the Jalen Suggs Suggs pick because it means the management wants to win, but I feel really bad for Jalen Suggs right now. As a transition, Adam, to you giving your your ugly step sibling tier, could you start by answering the question, how will you react when Mo Bamba's extension is, is not, or his option is not picked up? And he becomes probably almost immediately available. <laughs> yeah, Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. were two centers that I loved in that draft. And it's hard for me to accept how poorly they've both played. But I don't think Mo Bamba has a place in this league. They are going to show that this year. Uh, Orlando has both Wagner brothers, right? They've got, they signed. Yep. Uh, yep, yep, yeah, yep. so that's, that's nice for them. Uh, this team just has a lot of intriguing players. Uh, intriguing sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons, like Mobamba. Um, most of whom I think are going to be on other teams in two years. So it's like yeah. it's like a who's who of other teams can get in the next couple of years. And they, I love Jalen Suggs, but he's he's not going to be provide enough punch in his rookie year to bring them out of the cellar. They are so young. So are they are they your only tier four team? They're, Absolutely they're, no. not. I have two more. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Oh, okay. Okay. You, I thought you said there was only one in yours. Sorry, Josh. Oh, I thought we were going team by team. No, no, no. no. Just give your whole tier. Just no, I got, I got the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Detroit Pistons okay. in, in, in that category as well. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's and, what I thought. I thought we were going to have the yeah. same three. They're, they're, all, re- they're all terrible. Order. They're all terrible. Well, I was going to say the Cavs are a team uh, that I think is like primed for a trade just because of how awkward and weird their roster is. Um, Wait, is know, it not is it not good to have two starting point guards and six forwards that all play the same position? <laughs> is that not how you want right, a roster they, build? They got the whole, they got the future core and Mobley and Okoro's energy and Jared Allen, and then they've got you know, they still have Kevin Love on the team. Yeah, can I interrupt with with another question? Yeah. Is the reason you think they're primed for a trade that Kevin Love and Colin Sexton have been on the trade market for like at least six months? I mean, I think this is a perfect place for Ben Simmons to land, to be honest. If he's going to have his own team, I just don't know what they would be able to give up that Philly would want. Like a Evan Mobley and Kevin Love for Ben Simmons trade, I think, is probably the one that and I Colin think is Sexton. most likely. I was thinking Colin Sexton and Love for Simmons, there might be something there, I, I, but I, I doubt it's going to happen. Yeah, and if you're Philly, do you want that when you've got Tyrese Maxey already and the silver lining for that is that then Clutch can add uh, Ben Simmons to Darius Garland and, and continue to kind of puppeteer that team for the next 10 years, which they always need teams like that who will just do their bidding. Mike, they also have Taco Fall. You forgot about that. And and Josh, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that Ricky Rubio's presence on that team didn't also give you flashbacks to 
uh, what's his name? Sergio, Sergio Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah. No, there's Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Rodriguez. <laughs> All right, Adam, go for it. Detroit, Detroit drafted Cade Cunningham. He's really good. Jeremy Grant is good. They signed Kelly Olynyk. They've got Sadiq Bey, who I think we all like. I, I don't like Killian Hayes at all. Um, right. Isaiah, Isaiah Stewart's nice. Uh, Killian Hayes needs the ball in his hands, and so does Cade Cunningham. And the, and the ball should be in Cade Cunningham's hands. So that might be an interesting dilemma there. And I think it's either going to uh, cause some friction or completely destroy Killian Hayes' career, uh, which may not have had much uh, light <laughs> Anyway, the team's just way too young, and young teams simply don't win in the, in the NBA. They could have had Halliburton instead of Killian Hayes, and just that's the the one weakness they have on that team is the guard play. You know, they've got some size at the wing, and yeah, Kate Cunningham can play some point guard, but besides him, they don't really have any ball handlers. You know, I like Saban Lee, but you know, he's not a needle mover. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about any of these three teams. I think I think Detroit. And I think all three of them, frankly, I think I think the conference as a whole, like every team has something they can talk themselves into in a way that has not been true for a very long time. Now, now what the teams are talking themselves into, like the magic, it's still a little depressing. Sure. I think Detroit has like something to be legit optimistic about. Cleveland, to your point, Josh, has a lot of like this roster makes no sense and they have to they have to get rid of some of the the kind of cluttered roster spot you know they got to figure out a way to move love if they can move sexton or garland who you know whoever they move there um make the roster work better but they have some pieces that are worth like liking right like jared allen is good uh, evan mobley is highly intriguing etc so at least at least there's like you know if you're a fan base you can try to convince yourself that you're not going to be depressed about the team for the next five to 10 years, but none of them seem remotely viable for anything other than a bottom three seed in the East. The Detroit Pistons signed old friend Kelly Olenek. So there you go, Celtics fans. Tune in. Yeah, I mean, look, D- Detroit of the three, I think is the most likely to to sniff the the very bottom of the play-in conversation, but I doubt they, they will get there. Yeah. And is there is there anything to the fact that I feel like there's teams out there that are losing a white player and that are then going after another white player to like satisfy the fan base. Like the Lakers lost Alex Caruso, but then they drafted Mac McClung. And okay. here the, the, the Cavs signed Laurie Markkinen or traded for Laurie Markkinen because, you know, I think they've been trying to trade Kevin Love for a while. Do you guys think there's anything to that? No. Can we insert like a crickets sound? I, I personally, I personally do not. Uh, I really, really hope that a multi-billion-dollar league full of teams valued at over a billion dollars are not run by people that make decisions that way. That that I maybe they do, but my hope is that they don't. Let's move on. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I thought we could talk about race for a second, but I guess not. Sorry. So we're moving. We're moving to the just happy to be invited tier. Uh, this is these are the teams that are going to be towards um, kind of in the in the play in conversation predominantly. So, Adam, why don't you why don't you go first? How many teams do you have in yeah. this tier? This is my biggest tier. Yeah, I've got oh, wow. seven teams in this tier. Oh, and there's God. only three spots that these seven teams are vying for. And I want well, to start four, four to be in the play in. Right. Well, I'm just saying based on my list, I've got five teams in the two tiers above. So that leaves only three spots for these seven teams to 
to fight over. So, uh, and I'll just start at the bottom with the first team. Uh, and they're partly at the bottom because they have an asterisk next to their name. That's the Washington Wizards. Uh, I, this is their last chance to keep uh, Bradley Beal happy, I think. Uh, I know that he, Beal wants to stay in Washington. He likes it there. They signed Spencer Dinwiddie. They made the trade of Westbrook for Kyle Kuzma, um, Harrell, K, uh, KCP, Thomas Bryant should be back, I think, this year, some point this year. Yeah. Um, so they, I, I like that trade, the Westbrook trade. I like it better for this team. I think Kuzma, Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and um, KCP are better role players around Bradley Beal. I don't. Westbrook is crazy competitive and he's aggressive, but I, I don't love his game. Uh, I think it's helpful for the regular season and not for the playoffs. So I think this team is better set up, slightly better set up to support Bradley Beal's uh, desire for winning. But it's not going to take much for something to go wrong and uh, the, this year to turn sour for them. So I really think this is the last chance. And who knows? He may already have decided that he wants out at midseason if they don't have a quick start. So this team could look really ugly at the end of the year in terms of getting young players back for Beal in a trade. Or they might do well and keep Beal for this year and, and then they might be higher up in this category for me. And they got Aaron Holiday, which is a big a big plus. They drafted Corey Kisbert, who's going to play right away. So they got some pieces. I think I like the moves that they made. I even like Isaiah Todd. You know, maybe for a, from for a year from now, um, he was the third best player on the G League Ignite team behind Kaminga and Jalen Green. Um, but they're obviously just a play in situation. Yeah, jo- Josh, did you have them in this tier as well? Yes, I did, and in exactly the same spot. Yeah, me, me I think too. The biggest thing that they might do that would change the odds for Bradley Beal is just having a new coach, getting Scott Brooks out of there and adding uh, Wes Unsell Jr. I think is going to bring some uh, lightness to the locker room. And, you know, Daniel Gafford, I think, has made some teams jealous over the past year as well. The the thing I'm most interested about Washington, which has absolutely nothing to do with their performance on the court, is they've got a number of players that could could be kind of intriguing to watch uh, as targets for our TPE. If if things go south, um, okay. they've got Certainly. Kyle Kuzma, uh, who has got three years remaining and fits fits right in. They've got uh, Davis Bertans. If you want to like completely torpedo everything good that Brad did, uh, he could go <laughs> after him. Um, no, it's more uh, oh, Harrell. Like I think Harrell or Kuzma could be kind of an intriguing targets to go after if if the C's are really struggling on with offense. And they want a guy that during the regular season could infuse some regular offense off the bench. Harold could be a really good target for us, I think. Think. And he would he fit into the um, Tristan Thompson TPE? He's close. Uh, he might. He might yeah. actually. Yeah. Which would, Rui be, which would be better. Also on that team. Well, that's that's player. why. I mean, they've got a ton of kind of those swing those like fours, which is our position of weakness. So, and they're probably like Rui is the one that they really want, right? And and yeah. I'm sure that yeah. Kuzma is someone that they're gonna see if he he can really fit. But if for whatever reason things are just going south, because they're they've got like I don't know, 12, 13, 14 like real NBA players, which is a big difference for them from years past. It, it the the roster isn't perfect. I think Dinwiddie is going to be a lot of fun for them. And, you know, Dinwiddie and, and Beal have a lot of scoring potential between the two. But yeah, I, I agree there towards the bottom of this of this pack. But I don't know that I had them at the very bottom. Um, but I honestly, I didn't I didn't seed 
within the tiers. That's why I like tiers. <laughs> All right, who do you got? Who do you got next, Adam? I've got the Chicago Bulls next. Uh, they Whoa. were ten games under five hundred last year. They had Nikola Vucevic at center, Zach Levine, who played really well in the Olympics and and uh, is rising as a star in this league. I liked the Patrick Williams draft last year. So this is his second year. I'm curious to see what he does. And they added Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan. So uh, I think they're going to sniff the playoffs this year. It's that simple. Plus Javante Green on the bench. Josh, thoughts on the Bulls? Wow. Um, yeah, they they are a playoff lock. What? Ooh, all right. The Chicago Bulls are, they will be in the playoffs this year. Your um, love exactly. for DeMar DeRozan is unceasing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, DeMar DeRozan was the best free agent in this offseason, and the Bulls got him. He's only 32 years old um, this year. So, And I think that Zach Levine, a player that I've uh, thought was overrated for a long time, is coming off an Olympics where he showed that he could be a star in his role as the team's 3 and D starter, allowing Tatum to come off the bench. Um, and he's finally out of the, what I would call, like pretty boy selfish phase of his career. I think he's now ready to play team ball and win a la Devin Booker last year. So I think that's going to be huge. And and Patrick Williams is, I think, a real steal um, and is a guy who also knows how to play team ball, but it brings some athleticism and some dog to the court. And then they've added guys that they've never really had before in the last, you know, maybe 20 years since Jordan, you know, like they haven't gone after like lunch, pale, hardworking type players like Alex Caruso they got Derek Jones Jr. I think Lonzo Ball, you know, he's shot 37% from three the last two years in a row. So he's kind of proving that that's no longer the issue we thought it would be. And I think this could finally be uh, the right fit for him. Um, and I can just see this team gelling and finally having the leadership with DeRozan, who's been waiting for a legitimate sidekick since LaMarcus Aldridge got old. And he still has some some uh, ability to to do damage, I think, in the playoffs. So I think this team is, is more legitimate than people realize. Um, he's this year's Atlanta Hawks for me. I call that Atlanta, Atlanta would have the AC last year, and they obviously outdid that. But I don't think many people thought Atlanta was going to be a playoff team last year, and the Bulls are a lock for me this year. Interesting. I, I have them in this in this tier, uh, but I do not have them at the bottom of this tier. I would. I have them with one other team, uh, right, right at the fringe with the playoff lock, um, and I, I would, I would predict that they will end up in the playoffs for sure. Uh, but I think they'll get there via the play-in. So I put them in in this, in this bucket. Josh, I, I think you made a lot of really good and interesting points. I, I think one of the things you said kind of spoke to the the big question I have with, or two two of the things you said spoke to the big question I have with them. I agree that Zach Levine really showed, has showed a lot, especially in the last, I don't know what, 15, 18 months, whatever it's been, the last season and the, and the Olympics. Um, he's he showed a ton of maturation uh, last regular season as, as just a, a really elite, elite scorer, an offensive player, kind of that can score at all three levels, is improved as a playmaker, can can score with high high efficiency. And then in the Olympics, he was a really excellent defender, and and uh, I was shocked that he became basically like a staple of the rotation. Right. Um. I did not. I did not expect him to elevate, and and that's a real testament when you think of the other players that were on that roster. So that leads to the big question I have about about this Bulls team, uh, or one of them, which is. I think for them to be most successful, they they're gonna have to build the the 
offense to run through DeRozan and have Levine operate kind of at a, you know, pumped up version of the role he was playing in the Olympics. But I I wonder if Levine's going to buy into that because he's going to know he's the best player on that team. Yeah, I don't see why they would have to do that. Because because DeRozan can't do anything off ball. And he's not yeah, he's not gonna he, shoot the and, three. And he's a bad defender. So he's not gonna shoot the three. And Lonzo Ball's basically a three and D wing. Yeah. So like that really that's bad. that's the part that worries me a bit is I just I, I don't I don't love the roles. I don't think the roles that the players fit in best kind of aligns best with what the players where the players are in their career, specifically Levine. The other question I have is just like Vucevic is an elite offensive center, but he is not a particularly effective defensive player. Uh, DeRozan obviously is not a good defensive player, or maybe not obviously because I think Josh, I you and I have disagreed on that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do not believe De- DeMar DeRozan is a good defensive player. They do. Caruso is awesome for what you know for his role. Lonzo is really, really good. Levine showed he can be really, really good, but he hasn't really done that consistently on the defensive side of the ball in the NBA so far. So I'm just I'm not fully sold on that team's effectiveness when you put it all together. But I do, yeah, I think they're better than the second the second worst team in this tier. Guys, I also think that Kobe White is a top three six man of the year candidate this year. Whoa, he's in the perfect role. And took a Let's big step up last bet. year in his scoring. What what we what Let's make that the bet. league likes out of sixth men is being able to score off the bench. That's usually that's kind of how the role was created. Uh, you know, when Red Auerbach was using Kevin McHale that way. Um, and it's yeah, I think Kobe White is is you know a potential seventeen point eighteen point per game scorer off the bench. And you know whether he plays defense or not, I think that that's just gonna be another reason why this team is is ready to to make the playoffs this year. Josh, I'll bet you that Kobe White is not a top five six man of the year player next year. Deal. Yes. All right. Documented. We'll move on. We'll call that the first bet of the 2021-22 season. Stay, exact uh, terms to be determined uh, later. We'll report back. Um, all right. Uh, Josh, how about you go next? Your next team in the play-in tier. How many teams did you have in this tier, Josh? Uh, so, yeah, I had four teams in this tier. I, I had six in this tier. Okay. Wizards. Uh, my next team was the Toronto Raptors. Okay. Um, and I, I really think that there's 11 teams in the East this year that I wanted to put as playoff locks. Like the East has been, hasn't been this strong in maybe two decades, um, just in terms of the depth and the amount of teams that I think could challenge for the playoffs. So um, yeah, the Raptors, I really like Scotty Barnes. I just don't think that they're going to be able to put everything together this year, but this will be a really interesting team where you might have Scotty Barnes jumping the tip at the beginning of the game and then being the point guard uh, for the first possession of the game. Like, I don't think we've seen that uh, in, since Magic Johnson jumped tip in the, the finals. Um, but I like what Ojiri has, uh, what, what Masai Ojiri has done here. Um, they added Goran Dragic, um, who at he's age really 35 good. is still he's, not he's slowing still, down. He's really good. Yeah. Yeah, the last two years in a row now, I've been thinking that he was done just because of his age, but he's continues to do his best Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry impression in that regard. Um, they added Precious Achua, and I like Delano Banton, who's kind of a, a point forward, like 6'8", skinny uh, facilitator. Um, Canadian you think they're starting, too, so. they're starting five is? I was trying to figure this out. 
Yeah, it's Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., who I think is still only 24 years old. Um, and Birch. And Scotty Barnes. And Scotty Barnes at the five. Um, so that's a really switchable uh, defensive flexibility type lineup. And then you got guys like Precious and Boucher off the bench. Um, so uh, I really like this team. I just don't know, you know, who's the second and third best player on this team because we've seen defenses load up on Siakam's spin move and dare him to shoot the three, which he's gotten worse and worse at. Um, and so I just think that if, if Scotty Barnes can be the number two guy behind Van Vliet, that puts Siakam kind of right where he needs to be and takes some pressure off of him um, being the focal point of their offense. And I just don't know if that's going to happen in year one of Scotty Barnes, but I think that that's the future of the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I think I don't think I, I would be surprised if Barnes has the role from day one that you're envisioning for him eventually. Um, uh, but I I also had the the Raptors in this tier. I you know I think they've got a lot of interesting stuff going on, and and you can see kind of Ujiri's plan, like you noted, Josh, um, for kind of you know it's going to be this really flexible, versatile, switchable um team uh that's gonna that's gonna really be frankly just a pain for other teams to play against um and they're probably got a couple of moves they need to make to have a bit more offensive firepower um so i i don't see them being in the thick of things this year though you know van vliet is a heck of a competitor hard not to just have deep respect for the way he plays um and performs in in kind of high leverage moments um you know siakam had a really rough uh, year by all accounts was really affected um, by not being able to kind of train regularly during the, the lockout and or not lockout the um, bubble and, and uh, suspension of the season with COVID uh, the year before last. Um, so maybe a regular off season will help him kind of get, get his progression back on track. Um, but, but I think there's a ceiling to how, you know, how effective he can be. Maybe OG takes a, a meaningful step forward on the offensive side of the ball, which would be really, really big for them. Uh, but I agree. I think they're they're probably like going to be in that nine to eleven range, seeding wise, probably in the play in. But for me, definitely not a lock. Any any additional thoughts there, Adam? Yeah, the biggest thing, Mike, you talked about Siakam struggling with the bubble. The biggest thing for this team, uh, they more than any other team, I think, were affected by. COVID only because this is the Toronto Raptors and they did not play in Canada. They had to play in uh, Florida uh, all of last year. And that, that really affected them. Um, So you're talking about every player potentially not being with his family or uprooting his family. And it's just a big stress. Um, So I expect a bounce back year for Siakam and uh, I don't, they, they, they played poorly last year and I expect that just, just to change by being back in Toronto. And um, just just to be clear, you also had them in this tier? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So, so far, Adam, all three of these teams have been in, in the tier, Toronto, Chicago, and Washington. I likewise have all three. Of the three, Josh, you have the first two. You have Washington and Toronto, right, in this tier? Yeah, in reverse order. Okay. All right. I will, I will offer uh, the next one here. Uh, so my next team in this tier is Indiana. Me too. I think Indiana. Just honestly, I just don't even know what to what to expect with this team anymore. I mean, they've got Rick Carlisle, 
which yeah. like is huge because uh, everything that was reported about Nate Bjorngren last season was bad. <laughs> like he just seemed, I guess, just like a, a bit arrogant, not not kind of an effective leader of that team, even though he was apparently a very bright basketball mind. Um, and there was just a lot yeah, of kind Nick of Nurse and Nick Nurse school of coaching. Yeah, but but Nick Nurse has the respect of his players. Regardless, I mean, not, not Pascal Siakam. Well, whatever. Yeah, they're like maybe, they're both maybe. they're both kind of ornery, I think. Yeah, because of their 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 intelligence and their basketball IQ and their and their arrogance. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think I'm sure there's a at least a, a small dose of arrogance in everybody uh, in in all corners of the NBA uh, to be at that at that level, but. Clearly it wasn't working for the Pacers last season, uh, but they have a really interesting roster all the same. They've got Sabonis, they've got Karis LeVert, they've got Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, um, and you know it's hard not to have faith in, uh, they got TJ Warren coming back, and hard not to have faith in Rick Carlisle's ability to kind of make the make the pieces uh, fit together in the and get the most out of them. I, I still think the Pacers are probably trying to figure out what the heck to do with their front court because uh, the Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis pairing is still unnatural and, and not ideal. Uh, Sabonis is also still kind of limited uh, defensively, even though he's really, really good, really, really good offensively. They got Chris Duarte, who, Josh, you can tell us about him. Uh, I just know he's old for a rookie um, and, and should should be able to come in and be somewhat useful as a rookie, but uh, probably not someone I'd be super psyched about if the Celtics had drafted. Oh, no, you'd like him. He's, he's No, six, because six. He's, he's 24, and I'd just be like, eh, oh. he has only so much potential. Just off rip. Okay. Yeah, just off yeah, just, just on Just on future, like, projecting out i'd be not too excited i might like his game though that's fair well he's gonna hit threes and defend at a high level right away okay i do i do like those things i do like those things that's that's fair so uh they have tj mcconnell who might be my favorite non-celtic in the nba um but (laughs) but all all considered i just don't really i i i wouldn't be surprised if they like really put it all together and found themselves in the fifth seed or i i would be surprised i wouldn't but i wouldn't I don't think that's impossible, um, yeah. but I think it's less less likely, and I, I think they're more likely to be in this play-in conversation. Josh, what, what about you? Yeah, um, I, I think that the, the strange thing about this team, like, is there's irony in that they ended up with Malcolm Brogdon, who I really like, who the Milwaukee Bucks should have kept instead of Eric Bledsoe, but kind of made a decision uh, that that was completely wrong and hurt them for two years until they finally got Drew Holiday. And the Indiana Pacers made a similar kind of decision given up on Aaron Holiday as he was just entering, I think, his his respect years, uh, you know, right before his prime where other players around the league were finally realizing he's really good um, and is one of the best bench players in the league, I think. So they gave him up in order to get – insurance at the big man position, I think, you know, in, in uh, preparation for trading either Sabonis or Miles Turner, which has been, you know, on the docket for two to three years now. So they traded him for the rights to Isaiah Jackson, who I think is going to be a good man, a good big man, rim runner, uh, lob threat, you know, shot blocker. Um, but he's not going to be ready for two years. And so that to me was just a really questionable uh, trade from a talent perspective and a locker room perspective. Like if they're trying to win, which obviously they are, or else they wouldn't have brought in Rick Carlisle, who's a coach who can win them, you know, five 
to 10 extra games per year compared to the coaches that they've had. I just think, <laughs> I don't know, it's a head scratcher to me. Um, but the one kind of key that they have or, or low key factor that they have is I think Karis Levert has some potential and we haven't really seen what he, what he can do in this kind of environment. Mm-hmm. When you look back at the Brooklyn Nets team he was on with Dinwiddie and um, D'Angelo Russell and then went on that run. Um, you know, those were the three guys who kind of made that happen. And he's, he's a potential 20 point per game scorer who can take them, I think to the next level. Yeah. And it's just so injury prone. I don't, I'm not betting on it. And he, I mean, like just on, on paper, um, or not on paper, not just on paper, but like he, Sabonis and Brogdon should all fit really well together. Like their games, their strengths are very complimentary. And those those should like if things are going right, those are the three best players on that team. Adam, did you have the Pacers? TJ Warren was their best player com, uh, coming into last year and in the bubble. He w- missed all of last year. He's coming back. Rick Carlisle, I agree, is an improvement. And they were four games under five hundred last year and the ninth seed. So they're one of a number of teams that have improved. There's more teams that have improved this year than last year. They were also in that tier for me. Were they, they were in that tier? Were they your fourth team in that tier, Josh? There was oh oh sorry yeah uh, there was yep, a, they were next on my list too. I, I haven't fully ranked that tier. There were a number of teams: Indiana, Toronto, Chicago, Washington, Charlotte that were all kind of in a mess uh, that I was having trouble ranking. And Charlotte is the only one that we haven't really talked about yet. Hayward, Rozier, Lamelo Ball coming into his second year. Miles Bridges is coming into his own. PJ Washington is nice. So, uh, and they've kept their team intact. Um, I don't have a whole lot else to say about them. Yeah, I, I like what they did. They are the most fun team to watch, in my opinion, in the entire NBA. When you're looking at like up and coming teams who move the ball really well and play with passion and grit and swag, I mean, that's, that's the Charlotte Hornets. That's, that's Terry Rozier. That's LaMelo Ball. Like, I, I really, that's Miles Bridges. Um, it's not Gordon Hayward, but you know anything that he can do to stay on the court and contribute what he does, I think, is, is going to balance everything out for this team. Um, and I really like the rookies that they got. James Booknight was my number six player on my big board in the whole draft, and he's, I think, going to be really good insurance in case Hayward gets injured again and he can step into the starting lineup and, and do the Spencer Dinwiddie type thing of scoring and facilitating. Um, I, I just – I think that they're – Anytime you can take a team that's young and athletic and tough and gritty and plays with swagger and then you infuse like the contagiousness of ball movement and elite passing that LaMelo Ball does, it automatically makes you a threat. And I think they're the next up-and-coming team in the East that if the East wasn't so deep, I would be calling them a playoff lock. And uh, once I realized how many teams there were, I had to move them down into the play in hopefuls. But I have them ahead of the Pacers and the Raptors for this year. I really like their bench too. Jalen McDaniels is coming into his own. Uh, they got Kelly Oubre and got rid of the the big plotters like Cody Zeller and Bismarck Biambu. Um, so I, I think that they're going to be, I don't know how much they're going to miss Devonte Graham and Malik Muck. Like, I just don't think they're going to have issues. I, I don't think they're going to miss those guys at all. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have much to add. I, I'll just say like, before before we started recording, I was saying, you know, I, I came up with the four tiers and I was like, I actually kind of feel like there should be five tiers. And, and Charlotte is the first team in, in what I would have as the actual fourth tier. So the, the teams I would have put in that fifth tier would have been Washington, Toronto and Indiana. 
Um, and now, now we're in that fourth tier, but or like my three A tier, mm-hmm. uh, and Charlotte's the first one because I agree, Josh. Like they could totally, kind of like I said with Indiana, but I, th- I just think Charlotte is a cut above. Like Charlotte was playing really, really well before injuries derailed them last season. Now with Hayward and the the un- uh, unfortunate track record he's had now at this point, the past four years, um, injuries could you know emerge again and and prevent him from making it through a full season but i think you know i think hayward was really showing something and and showing that he still is a a very 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 good player when he's healthy um and if if he is able to be healthy i think charlotte will can be right in the kind of middle of the eastern conference playoff mix in that that fourth fifth sixth seed range so um i think i think they're just a cut above the the uh, most of the teams that we've discussed so far uh, I also have Charlotte in this this kind of 3A tier. And then um, I guess I'll transition to the the last of the teams I have. This is my last tier three team. Every team we've talked about so far falls into this um, this happy to be invited tier. Uh, but the, the last one might be a bit of a surprise. So I'm guessing, Adam, you have them because you somehow have this team and one more in your tier. Uh, and Josh, I know we're way past your <laughs> your domain, but so I got the New York Knicks. Um, wow. th- this is on the heels of uh, my comment last week. Um, I'm not convinced the Knicks are better by getting Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. Uh, you guys and I evaluate Fournier and his impact um, very differently. Uh, we don't need to relitigate that, but I. You know, Adam, I'm not willing to bet that the Knicks will fall out of the top 10 in defense. Uh, I will bet that they will not be a top five defense for sure. Um, I, I don't I don't think that will be sustained even with Thibodeau as their coach. Um, and, you know, I think I think they caught lightning in a bottle last year. Um, the the most concerning part of that, if I'm a New York Knicks fan, is how much of it was predicated on Julius Randle just making shots at a clip he's never made them before and a lot of tough shots. And that was a formula that fell apart in the playoffs for them. So I would be very worried about that. I'm not, I would not be convinced that Kemba can stay healthy um, and, and be a consistent major contributor when it matters most for them. Um, Fournier will help on the offensive side of the ball, but I think he hurts almost as much on the defensive side of the ball. So I think their identity is going to be pretty different. I still think they're likely to make the playoffs. Um, but I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, uh, nearly as as uh, high up in the standings as they were last year. Mike, other than Evan Fournier being a terrible defensive player uh, as an individual, I, I just I agree with everything else that you said. Um, and there's just a lot of question marks about this team, including Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett, who you didn't mention. And yet they were the number four seed last year, 10 games over 500. And they've got Tom Thibodeau as their coach who always plays his good players too many minutes and wears them down and plays ends up winning in the regular season as a result of it. So um, I I would not – I don't feel certain that they are absolutely 100% a playoff team, um, but I think that they will be in the hunt. So they were the second highest team in this category for me. Okay, but they were still in this tier for you. Yes, Okay, wow. and Josh, you and, and obviously again, this, had them at the lock. This tier is the the teams that could be involved in the play-in t- tournament. Wow. Exactly. So I I can see that happening, and part of it is because so many other teams improved so much. Yeah, you got. I've got them ahead of the Celtics as the number five team overall in the East. 
Um, no longer am I super confident oh. at the annual bet that I make with my Knicks friend uh, of which team is going to have a better record this year, the Knicks or the Celtics. Um, I think that Julius Randle got a taste of the playoffs um, and realized that, that everything he had done all year as the leader of that team still wasn't good enough at, when it really matters. And I think that he's kind of hungry and ready in his career to take that next step. And he got help. I mean, getting Evan Fournier uh, is a huge, a huge deal, I think. Um, and Kemba Walker is kind of like uh, the Oladipo pickup in Miami, where it's a low risk but high reward type move. Um, and I think it's potentially game changing if, if either of those guys could stay healthy for the, their teams. But even if Kemba doesn't play much, I mean, they still got Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly a year older. Um, and I think RJ Barrett is ready for a breakout season, to be honest. He's one of the young guys that I think is, is going to be a breakout star this, this next year. Um, he shot 40% from three last year to prove those question marks wrong. Um, Mitchell Robinson is returning and, and I think Tibbs has the ability to unlock things with guys like that. They brought back Nerlens Noel. They drafted Quentin Grimes, who's ready to go right now. As well as Miles McBride, you know, on both sides of the ball, those are our Desmond Bain type guys who can play right away. Um, they picked up more guard depth and bringing Luca Vildoza, the Argentinian, over from uh, playing well in Europe, and he's he's got some flash to his game and some swagger that I think Walt Frazier's going to have some su superlatives for. Um, I just I like what they're adding. They're just adding more and more depth and more and more uh, players who can who can stretch the floor and um, help out their their leader. Quick aside, uh, on just because we're talking about Julius Randle and his, his game last year, uh, you'll recall in the 2014 draft, he was picked right after Marcus Smart for the Celtics. And, and yeah. I watched the two of them thinking, did we make the right choice for the first few years? This draft, number one, Andrew Wiggins. Number two, Jabari Parker. Number three, Joel Embiid. Number four, Aaron Gordon. Five, Dante Exum. Six smart, seven Randall. There's a bunch of other Stauskas, Vonley, bad players in this draft. Zach Levine is in it. Julius Randall has an argument as the second best player in this draft. Yeah, he does absolutely. But it but it took him it took him what six years to get there. So yeah, yeah. But that I mean, and that's all. That's the conversation with draft picks, right? It's you know even the, even the the more luring prospects sometimes have a winding road to to reach their potential. Um, yeah. So. Okay, uh, Adam, I'm gonna I'm gonna give yeah. it to you. You've got one team left in your tier. Uh, neither Josh or I have this. So, uh, who's this mystery team? Yeah, this team um, made the playoffs. If they had lost one or two games, they would have missed the playoffs last year. And so that's why I have to. And they were in the play-in tournament last year. So I have I to put them in Boston again. Celtics. That's the Celtics. <laughs> uh, we know the roster. I don't need to talk about it. But uh, you can't tell me that that they are in a playoff lock position this year after almost missing the playoffs. Wow. I can and I will. Um, <laughs> so are, are we ready to, to talk Celtics or, or should we circle back to this? Yeah, I think the fans have waited long enough okay. for the Celtics All right. podcast. All right. Uh, it's it's about one hour in. So yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> I think we, we, we dragged this out long enough. Uh, so I... I'll I'll save where I've got the Celtics seated. Um, uh, it's funny, Josh, to hear kind of the way you framed the Celtics with respect to the Knicks. I think it's just you know picking up on on how we characterize kind of the Celtics offseason uh, in our in our last episode. Um, I have you know 
between just my genuinely uh, valuing the moves that have been made over the course of this offseason and just, you know, um, three plus decades of, of Homerism in my seeping into my blood. I have talked myself <laughs> completely into this this iteration of the Celtics team being uh, not a not a contender, but definitely a playoff lock. Uh, I I think the major questions with the Celtics um, is what how much or will Tatum and Brown uh, make kind of respective leaps in this season? Uh, particularly regarding their playmaking ability and, and kind of their ability to, to make their teammates better. I also think that, you know, I, I really want to see you talk about Randall. I think Randall is one of a, um, a, at least a handful of players in the Eastern conference that I would say is, is definitively tougher than Jason Tatum. And I want, I want to see if Tatum can, can, you know, figuratively and literally muscle, you know, muscle and elbow his way up in those rankings. Um, I want, I want Tatum to become like a top two or top three tough, toughest player in the conference. I'm not sure that he can, uh, but I think we need him to, to do that. If we ever want to uh, be able to ride him as our best player to, to a true championship uh, contention. Um but I, th- I just think the roster moves that Brad has made over the offseason have have made the team make infinitely more sense than it did last year. Um, the the roster, like you can see the rotations, you can see how they'll sort out. There are a few questions remaining, you know, as we were talking about the Wancho Hernan Gomez acquisition, like we don't have uh, a, a quote unquote power forward or four man that's like ideal right now but we certainly have options we can we can filter into the rotation um and tatum is is looking huge if you're seeing all those uh picks going up on the ig you know if you're you're following the socials um, he grew two inches again too didn't he is he seven seven now is that is he taller than taco um yeah so i i think i i think this team is going to make a lot of sense i think they're going they're going to have a really really uh, impressive defensive identity, and I think they have enough talent and enough um, just kind of roster cohesion that they're going to they're going to be really effective, and perhaps more so more effective in the regular season than in the postseason. Um, but I, so I'll, I'll allude, I'll hint to where I'm uh, see them uh, ending the season. I think they'll I think they'll host a first round of the playoffs. Whoa. Yeah, I just want to be clear. I have them as a stick as the sixth seed, so they've imp- I have them improving next year. So, so guys, you know, you, you brought up a couple of question marks like th- that. I think are the big ones for this team this year, which is you know, can Tatum and Brown take yet another leap? Um, we've talked on this podcast before about whether our guards can shoot the three well enough with Josh Richardson, uh, Marcus Smart, and. Uh, Schroeder shooting a combined 33.8% from three over their careers. Um, little known fact here, Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson, you know, two of the three of what I'm calling our feisty guards, they were born on exactly the same day, September 15th, 1993. So I need some Celtics fan astrologers to tell me what this means. What does it mean when we go after two <laughs> defensive and quick guards who have exactly the same birthday. Please uh, hit me up on Twitter for that one because I feel like something's going on here. Um, but the the main there's another big thing that I think uh, that is a, is an important question to bring up is whether Ime Yudoka can uh, 
get this team to be more of a ball movement team, you know, like the Utah Jazz, like the Phoenix Suns were last year, where they're really just skipping the ball around and trying to find the best option instead of Tatum and Brown, you know, last year being in year one of them as lead facilitators. Hopefully now they understand how to do that and don't need to do this my turn, your turn thing anymore, and that our new coach can uh, can create more of that. Um, and, and I just think that there's too many question marks, um, and that puts this, this Celtics team outside of the championship con- conversation for sure. Um, and I also have them as the sixth seed. Um, yeah. Josh, um, just to, to begin to answer your question, uh, Virgo's born on September 15th. Uh, they have a tasteful and dutiful personality, and they always seem to be aware of what is happening around them. This. <laughs> so that bodes yeah. well. Yeah. Keep going, keep going. Nope, that's it. That's all I got for you. <laughs> they're always they're always on call for people who care about them. So And as we know, that that describes Dennis Schroeder to a T. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right. So now we're now we're moving into our our second tier. I guess Adam's moving into his second tier. Josh and I have already entered our second tier. Playoff uh, locks. Playoff playoff locks. So can I, Mike, can I ask you guys, do you guys have anyone else below the Celtics on your list? What do you mean? In the in this tier? Overall. We've already talked about? That, that we have not already talked about. I have two teams below the Celtics in this tier. Okay. I have, the Celtics are above every team we've talked about so far. Yeah, because I have one still yet to talk about. So, Mike, I'm curious who yours are. Um, so one is the Miami Heat. Um, in this tier, I, I think that uh, so Miami obviously um, they acquired Kyle Lowry this offseason. They got PJ Tucker. Um, they uh, still have Jimmy Butler. They've got Bam Adebayo. They've got Duncan Robinson. They've got Tyler Hero. Um, and they lost uh, Goran Dragic. They lost uh, Precious Achuya. Um, and they don't have a whole heck of a lot after that, Josh. You brought that up uh, a, a show or two ago. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got Markeith Morris. Uh, they've got v- Victor Oladipo, who they kind of need to be good. They've got, Josh, maybe your favorite non-Celtic player in the NBA, Max Struess. Um, You're missing <laughs> the big one, man. Who's their big free agent? I already, I already said Kyle Lowry. You don't think that he's a needle mover for them? Oh, he's definitely a needle mover. So I, I, think, I think he's... Really, really, really good. I would have loved the Celtics to somehow have gotten him. But I also think they basically have like a six-man rotation. And, you know, we saw, we've we seen two different versions of Tyler Hero. We saw the one that scorched us in the bubble in the playoffs. Uh, I don't like that one. Um, we saw a much less impressive one over the course of last regular season. Now, it, a sophomore season for someone in that – what probably is the most trying you know first two years for anyone's nba career uh is not a death knell but i i'm if i'm the heat i'm a little i'm not sure how much pj tucker is ultimately positioned to give at this point in his career um he doesn't do anything on offense anymore he's not even like an average three-point shooter he used to be like an elite corner three-point shooter to go along with uh, uh arguably elite defense now he's probably an above average defender and a below average offensive player you know jimmy is 31 kyle lowry is 35 um so age and wear and tear are real real 
potential issues or concerns for those two. So I'm not sure. I mean, Spolstra is what like a top two coach in the NBA, so he gets all the all the kind of benefit of the doubt uh, to be able to make this work. Um, and they're going to be they are a team that I would hate to play in a seven game series, um, and uh, not you know I uh, could beat any team on any given day. But I think over the course of the regular season, I'm not I'm not convinced that they're kind of best. They're they're more built for the playoffs than the regular season, so I'm not sure that they're gonna finish higher than like fifth in the conference. Wow! Somehow they got grittier and better. I love the Lowry signing. Adam, how, how high do you have them? I have them as the fifth seed, just ahead of the Celtics. I have the Miami Heat as a championship contender, as the number three seed in the East. I think Kyle Lowry is has this team legitimately thinking that they can win a ring next year. His leadership added to, you know, basically their main core that they've retained from their finals team uh, two years ago. I think, yeah, I, I just I'm afraid of this team. If I'm the Celtics, I'm afraid of this team. If I'm the Hawks, I'm afraid of this team. If I'm, yeah, this is this is this is a team that is as gritty as they come and is going to overwhelm you and and just. You know, the additions of P.J. Tucker and some of these other guys alone, like Marquise Morris, just fit right in. Josh, you said you had one other team uh, below the Celtics. Who do you have? My number seven seed this year is the team in the Eastern Conference that I think is most likely to have some kind of catastrophic fall off, you know, off of the precipice. And that is the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I think they were my other they were my other team below the Celtics. I, I yeah. had an asterisk on them too, but they were the number one seed last year. They had the best record in the Eastern Conference. Yes, I know. And it's crazy to think about how, how good you two have always thought this team was and how they seem to have disappointed at the end of the year, not the end of the regular season, but the, at the end of the entire season. They've always seemed more disappointing than they should have been, you know, kind of four years in a row now. Um, they still haven't made I a conference like... finals, right? With Embiid? Correct. I, I still like some of their moves. I think Tyrese Maxey, just like R.J. Barrett, is another guy who's primed for a breakout season. I really like Tyrese Maxey. Um, they added Andre Drummond off the bench. They added Jaden Springer, who I think fits their, their kind of style of play as a tough defensive-minded guard. Um, and obviously they still have like the old standbys, Seth Curry, Thibault, Danny Green, uh, the always underwhelming Tobias Harris, Shake Milton. Um, and obviously Doc Rivers, but this Ben Simmons issue is just, it's, it's just not going to be good. <laughs> like I, I went, I've gone through every NBA team trying to think of who they could trade him for and nothing works in terms of what they would want back for him. I mean, even Siakam, like a guy that, that seemed unhappy and wanting to get out of Toronto last year, like he's not a good guy uh, on the court to pair with a Tobias Harris and a Joel Embiid. Because uh, he's not a three-point shooter, so like nobody really makes sense for both sides. Um, C.J. McCollum is the other one that I think would be ideal, but I just don't think Portland is interested in that. So um, I see, I see them going into training camp with Ben Simmons still on the roster, trying to figure this thing out. Um, and I see Joel Embiid year after year, even when he's like proving the doubters wrong through the regular season, something happens. And he either can't handle it when the, the lights shine the brightest or his body doesn't hold up. Um, so I, I just don't think that he's a guy who's mentally tough enough to win anything substantial unless they somehow trade Ben Simmons for somebody who can help Embiid's 
uh, mental toughness when it really matters and help him like score some big buckets late in games and take some pressure off of him deep. Obviously, so. that's not going to be Ben Simmons. They have to trade Ben Simmons before the year. Starts. I know. I, I bet they won't. I, I bet I, wow. I, I agree they should. But I, so, Josh, I, I'm just going to read off the four bullets I had for Philly because yeah. they were basically identical to what you just said. So Ben Simmons, Simmons saga. Um, you know, uh, there's more there, but you get the gist. Uh, can Embiid stay healthy for the full season, postseason? Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry, all good. Don't scare anybody that much. Uh, and will Maxi make a jump? So, you know, I had I had the same kind of general questions as you. I don't quite agree um, on the MB toughness sentiment. I think he's tough. I, I just think his body still like something always happens physically where he's, you know, he was he got hurt uh, last towards the end of last season. Uh, before that, he was like in the, the front of the conversation or towards the front of the conversation for MVP. He was able to play through injury in the playoffs. So, you know, a point or two for toughness there, but um, he just wasn't at a hundred percent. And this Ben Simmons saga, I think you have all the ingredients between it's, I was, I was kind of thinking, thinking about this the other day and it's amusing. Like Ben Simmons is making this worse because he's over inflating his value of like how good he thinks he is and what he thinks he should, like he's a really good player, but he's not like a true super duper star. Right. He's not he's not Giannis. He's not a player of that caliber. And if he had a team built around him, he wouldn't reach the same heights. I don't believe Um, Daryl Morey is making this worse because he also is inflating Ben Simmons value. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Daryl Morey also just makes this worse because I think at this point he's pissed off pretty much every other GM in the league, Um, probably for similar reasons that Danny Ainge started to. Right. People get tired of somebody acting like they're smarter than them all the time and and thinking that they're they always know better. And I think that's what Danny Ainge did. And people stopped trading with him. And I think I think Maury is going to try to get into the staring match. And I think it's going to he's going to torpedo it with his arrogance. That's my prediction. Um, And that's why. uh, Sorry, that's why, Adam, I'm not convinced that Ben Simmons will be moved before this even season, even though he should be. Doc Rivers has made things worse by not supporting Ben Simmons when asked is can Ben Simmons be a, a starting point guard for a championship team he said I don't know after after he had supported him all season and like laughed at the media for like even raising the questions yeah. during the regular season yeah so it's just a whole it's a whole nightmare and, and, and that that whole situation is enough for me to to bring despite Philly being a, a number one seed last season feel like they're going to be in like that six seed range this year. And if you look at the big picture in the East, there's, you know, if the Pacers or the, or the Raptors or Hornets or Bulls or any of these up and coming teams are going to make the playoffs, which I think any of those four really could. One of these teams that we expect to be a playoff lock is going to have to, to have some kind of total collapse. And if you're picking, if you're betting gun to your head, which of the top teams is going to have a, a major collapse that's unexpected um to me i think there's two teams it's philly and and the nets the brooklyn nets you know because we always love to think that Kyrie can implode at any team at any time right but gun to my head i'm not choosing the nets with kd leading the way i'm choosing the the, the guy that always folds when the going gets tough and that's mb and so that's why i had the philadelphia 76ers here adam where did you have philly well i had them as a, a mass with a massive massive asterisk because 
I expect Simmons to be traded and I don't know who for. So it's hard to evaluate them. Uh, it, I, it's hard for me to move the number one team in the conference down very far with the same roster that they had. So I had them third, um, definitely yeah. in the playoff lock category and not in the contender category. Um, just to recap so far in this tier, Josh, you had, I believe, New York, Chicago, Boston, Miami, and Philly were all in your uh, – oh, no, sorry. Miami was in your first tier. So you had all of those but Miami in your second tier so far. And then I have one more. You have one more, right? And then I, in my second tier, I've had uh, Miami, Boston, Philadelphia. I also have one more. It's probably the same as you, Josh. Uh, Adam, who's been your second tier so far? And do you also I have, have one more? I have three teams, Miami, Philadelphia, and the same that you guys have. Yeah, the okay. The Hawks. There you go. <laughs> Would you like go for it, Adam? Talk to uh, I mean, it's the same team they brought, brought back. They just extended a bunch of people, basically. I, I don't actually have a ton of notes on them because it's, it's the same deal. Uh, hopefully, Onyeka Okongwu can come back from his injury and, and play well enough. Um, I just think that they, they don't even need last him. Year. They don't even yeah, need don't. him because they've got Capella and Collins, and now they've got possible yeah. steal of the draft, Jalen Johnson. Uh, yeah, they 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 played great last year, and I expected that to continue. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter. You know, hopefully they'll get him back off of the injury, but he was having a breakout season until he got hurt last year, and um, even Cam Reddish finally started showing signs of life in the playoffs. Um, so I, I really like this team. They added Delon Wright for point guard depth, as well as rookie Sharif Cooper, um, and I think that Jalen Johnson is going to be perfect in the John Collins role off the bench. Uh, so this is a young team on the rise yet again in the East, and I don't doubt that they're going to give every other playoff team all they can handle. Um, and Travis Schlenk has proven that he can create a roster around a dynamic point guard with major defensive deficiencies because Trey Young is just that good offensively. Yeah, I was going to bring up Schlenk as well. Um, you know, people really questioned him with the Luka trade. Uh, he, that, that was, that became Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter, right? It was Hunter, not Reddish that he got with that second pick. Yeah. Um, and both of those guys are, are really, really good. This roster is, I think, uh, one of the most intelligently built in the NBA. Um, they are going to be healthy going into next season with the exception of a Kongwu. They have a full year with McMillan as the start, the head coach. And this team was like had an elite record once McMillan took over, which also coincided with health. So it's not fully fair to Lloyd Pierce, but I don't think it's also fully coincidental. Um, This is uh, the, the other non championship contender I have hosting a first round playoff series next season. I think they're going to be the number three seed. They went to the Eastern conference final. They beat Philly to get there. They smoked the Knicks on their way there. Um, and they're a young team, like you said, Josh, up and coming. So they're just going to be better. And Trey Young, I think, is maybe the second toughest player in the conference. The, the only player I would say is tougher is is Giannis. So wow. um, I, you I think would, Trey Young, you think Trey Young is tougher than Kyle Lowry? He, I think he maybe maybe maybe, right? maybe not. I, I I think he's more valuable today. Pro- yeah, probably. Okay. I mean, Trey Young okay. was incredible last postseason. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we can move on. I think so. I, okay. Whether or not he's the second, I think Trey Young is definitively tougher than Tatum. That's what I had in my notes. I didn't actually have where he was ranked in the Eastern Conference, but I thought I think he's tougher than Tatum, um, un, unequivocally. And that's I, I would like Tatum to develop that kind of toughness and edge. But yeah, I think I think Atlanta is going to be could 
very easily be the third best team in the, the conference. And that's where I'd pick them today. And I think that if any of us would have thought that John Collins would still be on this team at the beginning, you know, based on how we thought of him uh, at the beginning of last year, that that seems really surprising that they would retain him for a big contract like they did, but they're keeping this group together. And I, you know, I think it's showing. Well, and that's, but that's another note I had with them is, so they locked up John Collins with the five-year extension. They just extended Capella. I wonder if they, actually are considering moving one of those two maybe maybe next off season or something i mean they 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 have the means to just keep getting better um right and they've got uh bogdanovich they've got uh gallinari they've got hunter they've got reddish they've they've just got so many pieces and so many so much flexibility in how they can continue to improve this team that um i yeah i just i think Schlank deserves a lot of credit because he took a huge gamble with that Luca trade. Um, and, you know, he came, he came with the legacy of having helped build the, uh, that Warriors roster. Uh, it's a pretty good track record. He's, he seems to be establishing for himself. I, I have a question. If you are Philadelphia, would you trade Ben Simmons for Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and you know one or two other things? Probably not. No. No, there's a lot of trades that they, you know, could potentially be offered like that. Um, you know, there's there's like the Sacramento idea of um, Buddy Heald and Halliburton in a pick or something like that. You know, there's 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 a lot of like scrappy scraps that they could get. You know, like the gold, even the Golden State deal of like Kaminga, Moody, and Wiggins, like they're young guys plus the contract. Like they're not necessarily ideally looking for that because they want someone who they can pair with and beat right now, and so that's why there's just not a lot of options for them. This is this um, is this is continuing the tangent, but if I was Sacramento and I had the chance to flip De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons, I would do it in a right? heartbeat. Right? Um, but I'm I'm not super high on De'Aaron Fox. I just think there's only so far one of those small, super like lightning fast point guards can take you. Um, pairing him next to Embiid might be the ideal situation for him to be to maximize his effectiveness. Anyway, that's a, like I said, tangent. Um, all right. So there's there's only two teams left. There's only two yep. teams left. We all have the same two two teams. Uh, and they better be in your championship contender category. They're, yeah, they're they're yep. everyone's championship contender. Um, Who's uh, number one? I I have Brooklyn number one. Me too. Um, even though Milwaukee is a defending champions, uh, that that defending championship is what allowed me to put them in the same tier as Brooklyn, who I think, if healthy, is a clear cut above everybody else, not just in the Eastern Conference, but in the NBA. Um, now that if they stay healthy is a big if uh, with the track records of in particular, well, really all three of the players in, in, in years in recent years. Um Durant is probably uh, the best player in the NBA uh, at this point. Harden is probably a top five player in the NBA, top six player in the NBA. Uh, Kyrie's, you know, um, top 15 to 20. Uh, that's really all <laughs> all that matters, frankly. Um, but they also have Joe Harris. They've got Blake Griffin on an absurd deal. They just signed LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap, who aren't like major needle movers, but you know they're they're going to be hungry, uh, playing for a championship, happy to fit in roles, and you know if Lamar, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge is still able to just kind of hit twenty footers like it's nothing, and Paul Millsap is able to kind of you know chew up some offensive boards and and be somewhat versatile defensively, like those are just useful players to have in your rotation. 
Um, they've got Bruce Brown. You know, it's Patty Mills. It, it's it's a bit of yeah, Pat, that's right. I forgot about they've got they just signed Patty Mills, so it's a bit of an embarrassment of riches. Um, I, I guess that's a, I guess that's all I got to say. <laughs> Are you guys also high on the Julio Okafor and uh, Seku Dumboya and James Johnson pickups? I'm not. I'm not gonna pretend that I didn't want the Celtics to pick Demboya that year. What, what was it? That that's when we did, took yeah. Langford, right? I think so. Yeah, I I was I was convinced uh, Demboya was the next Giannis. I was all in. I had totally talked myself into a lather. I was like, he's gonna be the next Giannis. We got to get him. And there's a lot of people out there right now who think that because he was a high draft pick, he still has value. And it's like this is the age old trap. In the NBA media, Seku Dumboya is terrible. He's terrible. Yes, I've I've accepted that. He had like two good games last season, and I was right back in. But uh, yeah, I'm. I, yes, he's not good. Well, the draft pick of Cam Thomas, I think, is going to be really big for this team. Um, I think he's going to be able to score in bunches and and give those big three some relief if one of them is injured, um, and if they can just get one of their other kind of also ran rookies that they picked up. There's four of them. Dayron Sharp, David Duke, who I like, Raekwon Gray, who's like a like a big baby with handles, uh, and Kessler Edwards, then I think that they're they're really on to something. Um, obviously their roster on paper looks like they're the best team in the entire league. I just I just can't overlook the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean after the confidence that Giannis has gained, like people talk about the confidence that all these NBA guys get after going to play on the Olympics, but that still is, is nothing in comparison to the confidence you get by being the best player in the finals, winning the championship like Giannis got. And, um, you know, last year at, the, at this time, I picked the Milwaukee Bucks to be the best team in the East. And I think, you know, I, I noted their pickups of Bobby Portis and, um, they they picked up even uh, or they got Divincenzo back from injury now. They picked up Rodney Hood and Grayson Allen. They got your boy Mike George Hill. Uh, they got all of our favorite players, Semi Ojale. Um, <laughs> and I, I just think like the loss of PJ Tucker and Bryn Forbes Forbes isn't going to matter much because they finally have this three headed monster of of super confident Giannis, who I think is better than Durant and showed that last year. Um, they got Middleton, who's proven all the haters wrong that he can't be a second banana, and Drew Holiday is just playing out of his mind. He's he's no longer someone who you can consider underrated around the league. So they're the team to beat in the East, uh, in my opinion. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, well, just just real real yeah. quick, uh, I'll just on the Durant Giannis. Giannis was the one person in my head that I was like, maybe like he he's the only one. He's the other one in the conversation for me. I think I think those are the top two guys. Um, and I did have the bullet, Josh, on Milwaukee. Giannis may become a truly unstoppable force, especially if that 17 for 19 free throw performance in game six translates into higher free throw percentage in the regular season. So I hear you. He could be totally um, he, he just, yeah, unstoppable. He, um, yeah, he won two point. MVPs Wait, in he, a row. He could have super superhuman finals-like strength at this point, right? So I, I think those are very legit arguments. All right, Adam. What, talk us through your Brooklyn and Milwaukee picks. I agree with everything you guys said. The only question I have is, does Larry Sanders, who's still on the books for next year in Milwaukee, does he get a championship ring? Did you did you guys see the excerpts from, uh, I think it's it's Mirren Fader's uh, Giannis book that were being circulated, uh, ta- talking basically about Jason Kidd's psychological warfare tactics as a head coach. 
that prompted oh. uh, Larry Sanders' retirement from the NBA. It was oh like really no, warped. Yeah, it, it was really, me. really warped. Um, anyway, so that's what your reference to Larry Sanders brought me up. I hope he gets a ring after reading after reading that. It was kid kid um, was pretty savage, and it's a little horrifying that he now is a head coach yet again. Yet again, after after throwing household appliances at his wife, exactly, and, and yeah, using those kinds of psychological yeah, tactics, at it's, his home it's insane. At his job, it's insane. All right. Well, so that has been our tears. You, Mike, you wanted to talk about where the Celtics landed, and I had them as the sixth seed. Where did you guys have them? Six. I I talked myself into fourth. Oh my god! I knew it. <laughs> Hosting a playoff series. Come on, Mike. All right. I, I mean. Look, will I be surprised if they're fifth or sixth? No, I will not. But uh, Mike, Mike, did I, you I consider talked... putting the Celtics in the championship contender? Category? Not for a second. Not for a <laughs> okay. second. No, 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 no. Adam, this is good. A little, a little inflated uh, Celtics love on the Celtics Pride podcast is is good for the pot. I, I acknowledged it was equal parts Brad, like this off season and how I feel about it, and equal parts homerism. Right? I, you know, that's that's what I'm off wrong. that's what off seasons are for. It's for recovering your. Uh, your your homerism it's recharging after a really uh discouraging season so they should have been a playoff lock last year somehow they weren't i hope i'm wrong about that possibility again uh, we'll see what happens we'll talk more about them this off season too thank you for listening this long if you have you are a part of celtics pride please remember to rate review and subscribe to us on twitter at celtics pride pod thanks again <laughs>